Mainly sunny and 22 degrees in downtown Calgary. That heat warning is in effect. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. An Alberta cabinet minister says her daughter was attacked in downtown Calgary Friday and it may have been because of how she looks. Carolyn Curry de Castillo has more. Rajan Sani's 25-year-old daughter Raman was walking on Stephen Avenue on Friday morning when she says she was approached by a man who grabbed her. She says she was sworn at and chased as bystanders looked on. Sani says she's more motivated than ever to ensure that women, no matter where they come from, can walk in public without fear of being attacked. She told Global News that even if the man wasn't motivated by racism or hatred of women, the fact remains her daughter was attacked in broad daylight. Sani also says there are safety issues in downtown Calgary. Premier Jason Kenney condemned the attack on social media, saying Albertans must work together to stamp out hate. Kenney said hate crimes like this are a vile attack, not only on innocent individuals, but on the cohesion and safety of our entire society. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. More news in a moment, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. Yesterday, Calgarians rallied in Central Memorial Park calling on the government to boost harm reduction services as the national opioid crisis rages on. A month ago, the Sheldon Schumier supervised consumption site was announced to be closing and will be relocating to two undisclosed locations on an unknown timeline. Harm reduction advocate Ewan Thompson says moving safe consumption sites is not a good idea in the midst of a crisis. We're in the depths of a crisis now. Something needs to be done. We can't be moving these sites. We can't be creating chaos. And, and we need to do what we can to reverse the overdose crisis and get back on track so that uh, people can live their lives. In 2020, 1,144 Albertans died of opioid overdoses, making it the province's deadliest year for overdoses. And a Calgary Stampede sponsor says they won't be encouraging their employees to attend the outdoor event this year due to the risks of covid Service Equipment is an equipment dealer. They say they will continue to provide the Stampede with financial and equipment support, but they won't be providing its employees with tickets or passes to this year's event. Service Equipment's marketing and communications manager, Brian Radiff, says the decision came out of concern for the safety of their staff. We just felt that we really needed to ensure that we're operating as safely and efficiently as possible and that uh, all our staff are available when our customers need us. Both Premier Jason Kenney and Dr. Dina Hinshaw have defended the province's reopening plan, which includes lifting public health measures to allow for large-scale events like the Stampede to go ahead. Global News Sky Tracker weather high of 33 degrees today with sunshine. Temperatures cool to a low of 18 tonight with clear conditions. Tomorrow high of 36 and sunny. 
With that heat warning in effect, it's 22 degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is June the 27th and we're heading into a heat wave, they say, which is uh, we don't get a lot of here in Calgary. So in some ways it's kind of nice. Get a little heat feels pretty good. Um, except at night when you're sleeping or if you're out in the middle of the day trying to work, it's a little bit tough. So obviously stay hydrated and we got to look at that for our trees and shrubs and all our flowers as well. This type of weather is very tough on them. So if you can get out early in the morning, do some of that slow, deep watering that we like to talk about, get the water down into the root system, not just on top, you got to get it down deeper. And uh, that makes all the difference. Um, we're growing corn in a pot at my house. Um, my wife planted it, and I wasn't too sure how it was going to do. And it's about three or four feet high now, and we already got ears of uh, corn formed on this uh, on the on the stalk. So that's kind of cool, and it, it actually looked kind of good in the pot. So if you don't have anywhere that you could plant corn in your yard. Put it on the hottest part of your patio, stick it in a nice size pot, and uh, you can have corn on the cob right off the balcony, right onto the barbecue. So uh, yeah, be, it's actually going way better than I thought. So it's they're about five six inches long already. The little the cobs of corn. So hopefully they can keep going, and uh, we'll see if they they go to fruition and fill out totally by the end of the. I probably think by the mid July the way they're going, they're looking pretty good. So. We'll see. So it is time, and when you go out and you look in your garden, and uh, Jen from the from the greenhouse, she's going to give me a show. We're going to chat about uh, colors, missing spots, some things like that. What you can add to your garden? What what's missing? Did everything bloom early for you? Now you have no color at all. Um, my garden's a little bit like that right now. I haven't added much color. I've added lots of structure, some plants, a few larger trees. Um, and I've been starting to my trees a lot more in pots. And I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing, starting in that 5, 10, 20-gallon. And, uh, and it seems to be working quite well and, uh, and growing quite crazy. So got uh, the weeping willow, which everyone really loves. That when they go to BC, they see those beautiful, big weeping willows. So I've been trying a few over the past few years. And the Prairie Cascade is actually going to give you a closer look that you can get to that beautiful weeping look that we love. And uh, the Prairie Cascade is, uh, is, is really doing well in my yard right now. I got three of them and uh, just trying to create that uh, really nice willow blockage all the way around the yard sort of thing. So it'll, it'll fill out really nicely. And uh, so looking forward to that and growing quite quite quickly. And we have a couple of wet spots in our yard, so it, they they really love that uh, type of thing. So, and now is the time if you if you do have an empty spot in your backyard and you're looking out there, what you want to add, you can you can always take a picture. You can text me or call in four zero three nine seven four eight two five five or one eight hundred five six three seven 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 zero, and we can chat. I already got a few texts. On, on some things, and uh, let me just, I'm just going to read this one. This one seems appropriate for this morning. 
And morning, two questions, please. Can you give me a couple of suggestions for mulching the top of my containers and how to do it well? Don't have much luck with your hemp product. Second, why are the leaves on my hostas brown and even some look crispy in pots until fall? Um, if I, I would say if the hostas are in pots and they're getting a little bit crispy, I would say they're just probably getting too hot as as hostas don't really like it too, too warm, possibly drying out. So if those are the pictures that you sent a couple of weeks before, I would transplant them right into those pots and add a little bit more soil. And some of the leaves on the ends where they're brown, they just look like maybe got a little bit dry. And you can just remove those because I, I'm really a big advocate. I don't try to hang on to leaves. If they're starting to look bad, I remove them. That way my plants aren't wasting any space or any time or energy trying to revive those old leaves, which just they're not going to look. They're never, if once they're brown and crispy a bit, they're not going to come back. So there's no sense wasting the energy on them. So I just remove them and I let the plant concentrate on new growth. And at that time, yeah. And again, if, if the, and looking at the hosses, they look pretty healthy. Um, this is from a couple of weeks before, but I would definitely put them right into the pots. I would get some soil, plant them right in there. And, uh, and typically they are a perennial, so they should be put into the ground and as far as mulch on top to help keep them cool, I would just use a, a bark mulch or the sea soil if you want. The hemp should work because I know that's what we're using on our corn. And the hemp seems to be working quite well, helps hold the moisture in there. But try um, just try regular bark mulch then. I know how it holds moisture in on a lot of the shrub beds and things like that. And you do have to be careful that you don't get things too wet with the mulch. But uh, Hopefully we won't have much of that issue this week <laughs> as it looks like it's uh, it was going to be uh, kind of crazy. So hot, hot. So we just want, again, try and water early in the morning, get that slow, deep watering, and uh, and hopefully we can get the water down nice and deep. And uh, those soaker hoses are the best, or if you have those tree bags, things like that, those work really well as well for that. Again, if you'd like to give me a shout, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. going to have a busy show, I'm assuming. But right now, and uh, if you haven't done your second shot of your greened up lawn fertilizer right now, I know that's what uh, I'm going to be giving mine some probably early tomorrow morning or uh, or later this afternoon, maybe give it a little bit of water. And uh, so now it's time for my second shot of my Green It Up lawn fertilizer. And if you're not fertilizing your hanging baskets or your flowers, now is a good time to start. Once we get into July, the annuals have probably used up quite a bit of the nutrients in that soil. And they're going to start, uh, start looking a little bit shabbier as they get going. So right now you want to get your plants onto a, a good feeding program. And if you're doing it once a week at least, but uh, even a couple times a week after you water them well, give them a good shot of 15-30-15 or 20-20-20, something like that, that would be great. And that will keep those planters looking great all the way through the whole season. Um, give them that nourishment they need and then uh, they'll give you the blooms. And then also want to touch on deadheading. And I know we'll do a little bit with Jen as well. 
But right now, um, a lot of the roses, you may be going through your first batch of blooms on your roses and your petunias and, and some of these things. So deadheading is really important. And you want to try to make sure you get the little seed pod just underneath the petals because that, again, will um, trick the plant into thinking that it hasn't bloomed properly and it needs to keep pushing more blooms. So the more you deadhead like that, don't let the blooms go totally dead. When they start looking a little bit spent, that's when you want to start pulling them off and then your plant will be tricked into sending more blooms out thinking it needs to reproduce more seeds and that's really what you're looking for is to to get that in that good cycle of this giving you tons of blooms and uh and a lot of your perennials you can even get a second batch um lupins are one that probably just finishing some of your first first batch of blooms if you cut those off uh, right down the bloom right down not the whole plant but just the bloom before it's totally spent um, I've had them bloom two or three times um, no problem and one more quick text here was in medicine hat spotted some bright yellow peonies where can I get some and those are ito peonies um, we we have them down at, at spruce it up and uh, so they're they're actually really nice they have a little softer leaf and I had the weirdest reaction um, from speaking of peonies, um, my wife had a whole vase full of them and they're underneath our little sunroom thing. And I came in and I could just feel the pollen surge off of the, off the flowers. And I almost like had to go into deep breathing and I had to get, get them out of there really quickly. Cause I was almost felt like I was going to, um, collapse almost. It was just, uh, I've never like, cause I'm not, I'm around plants and flowers and stuff all the time, but it was just a, just a big blast of that peony. So be careful on some of those plants. If you get too much of that pollen right close to you, um, maybe test it out at first a bit. And uh, it was see because I just I just got home and then they got under the thing and sat down and then and uh, got a big whiff of that pollen. I could just feel my chest tighten up and and it was a little scary for a moment. wasn't too sure what was going on because, like I said, I'm I'm not allergic to anything and. And then it looks at peonies, I could just feel that surge. So just be, be careful with the beauty of those peonies or any other flowers so you're not uh, you're going to do yourself in. And I'm probably just going to take a quick break. And uh, when I get back, we're going to chat with Jen in the Greenhouse, and we'll also take your calls, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And I got one quick text here. My peonies are in full bloom. Plant looks healthy, but half the blooms are pale pink to white, not the rich pink they should be. A little bit of that could be if there, if it is in a little bit of a heat zone. And then also uh, just proper fertilizer, ensuring that it, it's properly um, watered, and as your peonies get older, they do use a lot of energy, and it could be reversing back a bit. But just ensure that you're feeding it 15, 30, 15, so it gets that full blast of the phosphate, so it can create those gorgeous blooms you're looking for, and uh, and deadhead those, and then enjoy them in a vase, but not too close. If you have any reaction like I did, it was a uh, it was kind of weird. But right now we're going to go to the greenhouse down at Spruce It Up. And we're going to chat with Jen, who's down in the greenhouse uh, five days a week at this time of year. 
was seven or eight days a week there for a while. Hey, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> eight days a week uh yeah but you know not a bad gig right that's what i always that's what i always say i mean if if the worst yeah. thing is spending time in a greenhouse with the the people that we have there then i'm good so yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah. it uh, it goes by pretty quick and uh you create that little family affair and it's actually pretty fun so it I, is I, I absolutely it, it is yeah cool. so um as we uh as we're chatting and we're uh and we're we're moving on into summer now. We're flipping the greenhouse, and uh, annual season is getting pushed over to one side of the of the greenhouse, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, and then we're moving uh, into some tropicals and stuff. But um, we're going to touch on perennials today because um, that's it, it's not really a forgotten category. It's grown quite a bit, but in your garden, when people start out and they they plant everything. And maybe looking always for that spring or early summer bloom. So, yeah, yeah. And and then now they get into July, and then there's just a bunch of greenery. So, any <laughs> any thoughts? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's good to think if you want the color to extend through the season. Kind of thinking ahead with looking at the plant and when is it going to bloom. You're right. A lot of people, I think, get disappointed with that. But for for perennials, there's so many that kind of will continue on, and they do so great in the summer heat and the full days and right into the fall if if people like. I mean, one of the, the coneflower is one of the uh, tried and true, I believe, the echinacea that, that people can go after. There's all kinds of color with those guys. I have a personal favorite of Russian sage. I love the contrast of the purple with those leaves, the bit of a silvery leaf. Yeah, um, and will those bloom all summer? They absolutely will, and they'll go right into the fall. Most of the um, most of those ones do. I, I had a quick peek this morning to see what we had. There's blanket flower, bee balm is the same thing. Asters aren't even in bloom just yet, and they're going to bloom into the summer. Those are a great midsummer bloom, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That and the and the flocks. Yes, the flocks is great. You know what we have, Merle, that I forgot about, and um, I just had Carolyn in the perennial house pull them out. But we've got a like a hibiscus shrub called Starry Starry Night. It's a zone four, and that'll go midsummer to fall. But it's a beautiful leaf, even even without flowers, but they'll, they'll come. Um, but well, that alone, just to look at, is gorgeous. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be zone six or seven this yeah. next week or so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know, I know. It's amazing. We just need surfboards and some water somewhere around here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. actually, I've seen, um, actually, who, uh, we and, I can't remember, someone from work, we're driving down Deerfoot, and uh, I seen the kayak by the zoo there, and at oh. first I thought it was somebody flailing in the water. So oh. ready to, and, uh, and they go, oh, "No, it's just a kayak." So, it's, <laughs> oh, but wrong. that's that's what you should be doing on days like this. It's, uh, no kidding. Close the store, so, off we go. Anyway, yeah, back to work. Absolutely, yeah. right after the gardening show. Down yeah, to the yeah. just don't tell the boss. <laughs> exactly, and <laughs> so um, what about going into fall, Len? Like if we're like one that I like is the autumn joy sedum. Uh, yeah, I knew. Me too. Yeah, the sedums. Any of those sedums, stone crops, uh, yarrows, a nice one too. Um, and also that echinacea, though that one goes right into the fall as well. I've had great success in my own garden with that guy. Um, but those. Do ones you are- deadheaded at throughout the summer? You know what? I don't. Okay. I don't. It'll, it is. It'll keep blooming for you. Yeah, it does. I mean, I take the time to fertilize as well. And if if I don't like the look of the flower, I take them off. But um, I really don't even make the effort. I'm, I don't want to work harder, you know? Yeah, so. no kidding. No, but if you need to do a little bit of that. And the other one I yeah. really like is the Joe Pieweed. 
Yes, and that's a nice tall one too because some people, right, that's they're trying to meet certain needs in their yard and tuck plants behind something or just get that certain look. And Joe Pieweed's nice and tall and beautiful, and he goes late as well. Yep. Well, because a lot of our our shrubs don't bloom. Like they bloom once and then they're kind of done. We're getting into some of the newer ones like the hydrangeas and a -hmm. bunch of things that they've created some hardiness. But a lot of times I send people back to the perennial section especially in the shadier gardens because there's no shrubs that really do well in the shade except for Annabelle hydrangea. Yeah. But I get people to like ligularias and the big ferns and some other and, stuff that can give you some height in the shade. And goat's beard too actually can get some really nice height with goat's beard and bees love that one as well. It's a beautiful plant. Nice. nice. Yeah. And uh, I was sort of just looking for a, a hummingbird update. Has anybody seen a hummingbird yet? You no, but we saw a Not bumblebee yet. the size of a hummingbird. I thought it was the hummingbird, but it was a bumblebee in there, and so um, close enough, right? Well, when I think this week when it heats up, they'll be in the in the perennial house going after those beautiful fuchsias and stuff we have. And yes, those are beautiful. So the baskets are awesome. We, hopefully, we see some hummingbirds this week. I, know. I thought I heard one last night in my yard. My neighbor has a a feeder, and then I got my uh, vermilionaires out in three of my pots. Nice. I mixed them in with uh, some other kind of succulent thing. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but uh, I got those things sticking up, so I'm hoping to – I thought I heard one buzz by my head the other night. I was sitting outside, <laughs> but then it was sort of just getting dark, and uh, so I wasn't too sure I couldn't catch them. So. You never know. Anyways. You never know. Yeah, we're waiting. Yeah. We're waiting patiently. We'll get there. Abs- absolutely. And, uh, well, I should probably go, and you probably got to get back to work. You bet. And so – so thanks, Jen, for, for calling in. And uh, and if you want to see Jen, go down and uh, see her. She's in the greenhouse uh, pretty much every day. And she'll be down there today <laughs> helping you with all your perennial needs. Love. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. And I just want to say a quick congratulations to all the graduates. My son and a bunch of his buddies all graduated from Centennial. And... Uh, so congratulations to all those guys, class of 2021, and uh, it was a good job. And uh, we have a little ceremony Monday morning, which will be fun. But I better take off here. we got to take a quick break. And when we get back, I'll hit the phone lines. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Sunny and 24 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. This weekend's hot weather has kept fire crews busy on rivers in Calgary and Edmonton. The Calgary Fire Department says it responded to multiple water rescues on the Bow and Elbow Rivers yesterday. It says people were found stranded without their boats after colliding with bridges or capsizing. People are urged to practice boat safety like wearing life jackets and to avoid consuming alcohol. And solar lights twinkled yesterday evening next to 751 unmarked graves near the site of a former residential school in Saskatchewan. Members of the COES's First Nation held a vigil at the former Maryvale Indian Residential School, where a teepee has also been erected and a fire will burn for four days. It's 24 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. I'm going to go right to the phone lines, and I'm going to go to Carrie. Good morning, Carrie. Oh, hi. How are you? Good, good. How can good. I help you? 
Um, yeah, I have a couple of questions about some fruit trees I have on my acreage. Um, we have okay. apple trees and a pear tree. We got um, the ones that I have questions about, I got from Spruce It Up years and years ago, about 10 years ago. Um, one of them hasn't gotten flowers for a couple of years now. And I went looking at it the other day, and it's got some red spots on the leaves, which I looked up, and it looks like it's some kind of a rust or something. I don't yep. I can't really tell. Yeah, and so I don't know. what It was unclear what I should do for that. Do you, do these ever get fed or anything? Like, Do you fertilize them on a regular basis or yeah, pruning? Yeah, so I, I have the fruit tree spikes in them that I put in at the beginning of the season. Okay. And then I also did Rage Plus at the very beginning, probably twice. Um, and then I try to water them as deeply as I can, but we're on an acreage on a well, so we're at limited yeah. time we can water. But, um, yeah, so you, they do get... One thing life. you can try to do off a of well is uh, is set up a drip system mm-hmm. just with those little emitters at each tree. It, it And that way you're not wasting any of your water, and it, it does. It's I'm, I'm in the same boat at the store. Right? We run off a of well, and so I, I water all my trees at one time in the outside in the in the big tree lot with a little drip system so that's okay. something you might want to look at um if if possible can you text a picture of that of any of the leaves to me sure. um or if you want you can just uh put them in a ziploc bag if you're if you're if you're going anywhere near the garden center and you can stop and chat with terry or myself or and we should be able to help you out and get you the right remedy right from there okay um, okay, and then the pear tree. Um, I only found out it was a pear tree last year. I thought it was an apple tree. <laughs> and then we started getting these long apples. Um, and it turns out it's a pear tree. Um, so oh, nice. we got lots and lots of pears last year, which was great. They were delicious. They didn't get very big, but they they were good. Um, this year it got full of flowers, uh, lots and lots of flowers, but now there's only a few pears, and I'm not sure why. Um could have been just at the wrong time because I know the pears came out early this year. I was a little bit worried. I have one in my backyard as well, and it got a little bit cold there right when they were blooming. So some of them, if you're out in the country, could have been hit a little bit cold. It could have frosted and uh, damaged a bunch of the blooms. So that's probably why because I I totally remember this. Like it was, they came out. Pears are pretty much your first blooming tree. Mm-hmm. In, in your yard. So they come out really early. And this year we did have that little bit of cold snap after they bloomed. So yep. that would be my guess as to why you just didn't, they didn't get a chance to get pollinated. And that maybe for some frost damage affected a few of the blooms on you. So, gotcha. and, uh, and again, just uh, those, those tree spikes are okay. They're good for just steady, uh, giving a little bit of food. But when you're, when your plant is, is, is in need of food, I, I would give it a little supplement um, with a good bucket of like 15, 30, 15, just to okay. build up the phosphate, like give it a good water and then give it the 15, 30, 15. And, and now with the apple tree, I would wait till fall. Mm-hmm. And when this starts losing its leaves, give it a few shots of the 15, 30, 15, because that's when we're going to build up the phosphate into the soil, into the tree. And then next spring that those nourishment will be there. So it can just take that up first thing in the spring. Okay. And uh, that should definitely help with your your bloom production on your apple. And the one that's not blooming at all, you might even want to give that one a shot right now and uh, okay. just give it a little bit of a boost with the 15, 30, 15. Just give it a little bit extra. Okay. That's great. Um, can I ask one more question? Of course. Um, so, of course, we have the acreage. Um, we have lots and lots of grass. We have about three acres of grass. Um, we can't water. And, of course, in this weather, it's dry. 
So what can I do to sort of keep the lawn somewhat healthy? It's getting real brown right now. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's hard without water. Right, without water, again, um, uh, I would promote using my, my Green It Up lawn fertilizer because it's the only one out there um, for the most part compared to anything that you're going to find at the box stores has a high middle number and the middle number again is for the roots so it what it does like i water my grass maybe once a week and it stays green like i water half as much as i used to because it can i have nice deep root system now Mm -hmm. and so you water way less so it can withstand going through these droughts and still stay quite green um so if you would start it earlier and you and you get the fertilizer going on your acreage um, with the green up lawn fertilizer, you'll see once it gets into the summer, it's going to be able to withstand a lot more of that heat and stay a little greener for you. Okay, but it's too late to do that now. Well, no, you could still do it. It just without being well watered until you get some rain, then it'll kick in and it'll thicken up for the fall and winter, and then then next spring hit it again. But Maybe. absolutely, you could you could do it now. Give it a good shot of fertilizer, and uh, and then just hope for some rain, and then okay, when it, so, then that. Yeah. The, but will it yeah. burn the grass if I do the fertilizer nope. right now? No, nope. absolutely not. No, nope. okay. it's fine. As long okay. as you don't dump it heavy in one spot or nothing, if you just do it regularly, it, it'll be fine to sit there. It, it'll just, okay. It's a slow release. It just waits till the water breaks it down as it rains. So you'll be fine. Okay. And can I buy it Alrighty. in bulk? Um, well, we have it in larger, like we have it in bags, uh, 9 kg bags. Each bag covers 3,000 square feet. Okay. Okay. So one acre down. is forty-four thousand square feet. So. Okay. So a bag okay. and a half will do each acre. So. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate all your help. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. And actually, that was wrong. It was forty-four thousand square feet, and each bag covers three thousand. Yeah. So she's like ten or twelve bags per per acre. Sorry about that. That was. Uh, Wrong calculation in my brain on a Sunday morning. And where I'm at for time, I got a bit of time. I'm going to go to Henrietta. Good morning, Henrietta. Hi. Hi there. How can I help you? Well, I have uh, a lilac bush that seems to have some bugs on it that I haven't seen before. Like, it's not not regular aphids. They're very gray, the same as the lilac bark. Yep. And that's and are they gushy, though, too, like a regular aphid? they don't seem to be uh, I, I didn't get around to squeezing one they seem to move pretty quick I did do a shot of pure spray green like is that the best thing to do or what yeah, else it is. Can I yeah, yeah, or get your uni nozzle out like just on the end of your hose like you get a little pressure nozzle um, hose them off then give them a shot of pure spray green sort of every five days and if you can do that three times in a row okay, that will get break that cycle but just and giving them a good Good spray down. And then, and then, sure. uh, what should I should, like? Do I give it a shot of some other fertilizer after that, or yeah, do I 15, do it right 30, away? 15. Or? Yeah, you can. Right now, if your lilacs are just finishing up, it's a great time to replenish the nourishment to their fifteen thirty fifteen, and because uh, one of them didn't bloom at all. And these are my three bushes that are really unique colors. So I don't want to lose them. <laughs> yeah. Did you so, do any pruning last year? That maybe. I did. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's probably why you cut off the buds. So okay. if you prune them too heavy right after they're done blooming, so you'll cut off. That's when they set bud for next year. Okay. So you probably cut off the buds for for this year. So if you leave it this year, you'll get blooms next year. 
Okay, so one of them, all right, uh, all right, so I'll leave those. Uh, yeah, okay, so so another shot, like, so I've done it twice now, so another shot of the pure spray green in about five days or so, and then that should do it? Yep, absolutely, should be good to go. And you guys were just talking about hummingbirds. I didn't see a hummingbird. I was waiting out here uh, looking at my flower garden while I was talking to you, but it, I'm pretty sure it was one of those sphinx moths, you know, the ones, oh, yeah. that, the yeah, ones that, that look like, like hummingbirds? The, yeah. Those are cool. Like they almost like slow motion. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah and they're more beigey, right? Like they don't have the, the color as much color as hummingbirds do. But there was one floating around here in my uh, in my flower garden. So getting close. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, All right, Henrietta. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. All right, and I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, Emerald Coombs, and I'm going to go right to the phone line, and I'm going to chat with Les. Good morning, Les. Merle. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, buddy. You? Good, good. How can I help uh, you? How the hell do I get rid of clover in my grass, in my garden? The only thing that I can think of this year is that I bought some peat moss because I thought, you know what, I need to put yeah. moisture in my yard into my flower bed and in, in my vegetable garden, and there is clover all over. And I pulled it, and it just keeps on coming back. Is there a safe uh, weed killer that won't wreck my my vegetables? Yeah, and when it's in veggies, it's a little bit tougher. Like, I, I prefer not to use really anything. And one thing that works really well are those three-pronged cultivators. Yes. And it's just a bit of sweat equity on that one. If it was in your lawn, I would just recommend using Killex. Okay. Because um, and then just spot spray the areas with the clover, and it's a right. broadleaf selective herbicide. Right. But in the veggie garden, I prefer to keep it clean, and that's just uh, unfortunately less. It's just a bit of the – a little bit more sweat equity on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. And now, would that, would that be a good I, reasoning? for it being in the peat moss like that's the only thing that I've um, added it, it, no and it just happens like maybe, um maybe a neighbor or somewhere else went to seed or if you dug up a new area um, that tends to cause a, a little spurge in, in weeds popping out um, okay. it, it's yeah they just they just come in it's amazing right like you, you clean and you have it perfect and then all of a sudden a few weeks later all these weeds are back so and with the clover, though, I like I love the three prong cultivator because you just I just run over it and then just pick up the ones that are loose. And if you do that every four or five days, it's actually not bad. And it and you're cultivating up your soil, which is good for it, and uh, and it helps keep the weeds down. Okay, one more question. Uh, your okay. your green up, I forget what is green up lawn fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that good for everything? Yeah, um, you can use it in your veggie garden. You can use it on your trees and shrubs. Um, it's a slow release fertilizer. Uh, it has. It's really good for flower beds, and people use it in their flower pots too. You can mix okay. it in the soil as a slow release, season long fertilizer because it has that high middle number, which is great for roots and blooms. So gotcha. yeah, absolutely no, and it's it's great for your lawn. Is it good for? I I planted horseradish last year. Yeah. 
Um, now, I've never grown horseradish, but I love horseradish as with beef. So how do I... Um, I've looked on it online, but it doesn't really tell you or give you a lot of information. So do I, like in the fall, do I like dig up the whole root? And- yeah, yeah, you dig out uh, a portion of it um, where the radish is, like down in the root, dig that up and and uh, harvest it, clean it up, grind it up. and. Uh- yeah, but I, but I leave the root, a part of the root in for next year? Yes, yeah, and it'll okay. keep coming up, absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Enjoy, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you get some nice hot horseradish that gives you the good sweats. Thanks, sir. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care, man. Bye. Thanks, bye. Bye bye. And where I'm at, I got a little bit of time. I'm going to go to Wanda. Good morning, Wanda. Hi, Merle. Happy Hi Sunday. there. Thank you. Hi. Happy Sunday to you as well. Hey, I have having some trouble with my trees. Okay. Uh, so. I don't know if we got frost or what, but I have an Ohio buckeye that yeah. 75% of the leaves have already fallen off, like turned brown and fallen off. And then okay. I have I another would... one. Sorry. Okay. I would kind of say it probably got dry. Um, uh, and how, how many, how long has it been in, in the ground for? Years. Like these, it was my two largest ones. I wow. have four of them. So, one didn't get anything, it, and then my smallest one, the leaves are starting to turn brown, um, but my largest one, 75% of the leaves are gone. The second one, okay. they're starting Is it in a real dry up. spot, would you say, or is it? Um, we give it long soakings. Like we've been, okay. we're, we're yeah, diligent. which is unusual, yeah, because Buckeyes, like, they're usually pretty durable once they leaf out they they do take frost damage early on but then you you would just see the damage on the outside yeah um is there any way you could take a picture of it and just text it to the same number absolutely yeah yeah then i can have a look at it and because other than that like i when they usually drop leaves it's usually when they get too dry they shut down so that's and we have had some hot hot weather but it hasn't it hasn't been sustained for too, too long, but it has been a dry summer. So, But yeah. if you've been giving it some water, like I, usually, like I said, the only reason I usually ever see them drop leaves like that sort of crinkle down is if they've gotten too dry. So, Okay. But okay. if it's a big buckeye, that's, it's still pretty unusual. <clears throat> they usually fairly drought resistant. And mm-hmm. uh, But that being said, I had someone bring one back in a pot. They would bought it the week or two before put it in the ground and they didn't water it and they brought it back with no leaves and and then we just put it in another pot and watered it and it's totally coming back now so yeah I, okay. it, it's so and look for that like after if you really start watering it send me a quick picture and i'll have a look um but i i think um it sounds like it maybe just got too dry but it just doesn't that doesn't totally jive with what you're saying either so i would like to have a look at it for you if i can that would be great. Yeah, I've looked for bugs, everything, see if it's something like that, but there's nothing. Um, I just have one more quick question. Okay. Um, I have a Russian olive where, and um, some of my aspen, like Holmer aspen, where yeah. they've come up from the bottom, but the tops, there's nothing. Um, can, do I just trim them off? Like, can I prune them now? Yeah, the columnar aspen. Yeah, I would, at first I would try to, did they look like they set bud? Like, did the buds get fat and, and then just dry out? No. No, it doesn't okay. look like anything. 
Okay, probably just freeze dried. Um, they're not gonna be great, though. I'll be honest. Like, like the Swedish call them their aspen. They're never really gonna come back properly. You could cut them back, and they'll sucker up from the bottom. Right. If you're on an acreage or something, it'd be all right. But th- if this um, is a main focal point in your yard, I would probably just, unfortunately, just remove it and maybe start fresh with something. Okay. Well, I'm on a farm, so I'll just. Maybe yeah. It. But yeah, like the rest yeah, do that. Is- if you're out there, yeah, you can do it, and then it has room. It'll sucker up around the trunk and then grow back up. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, well, great. All right. Well, okay, send me that have picture, and I'll have a quick look for you, Wanda, and I'll reply in text. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Bye. All right, bye bye. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. And right now I'm going to go to Jessica. Good morning, Jessica. Hey, Merle. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help you? I My sister is bringing me a magnolia tree. Oh, nice. That she bought in Edmonton. Okay. Is it going to grow here? Depends what variety it is. There's a few that are zone four, and even one that's a, a zone three. I think it's someone's like a star, and one's a Stella. I'm trying to remember the names, but yeah, there's a couple of varieties that are hardy here. Um, so what's important is try and put into a little bit of a sheltered location, and it's really important to water them in good in the fall, and and mulch them over a bit, like over the trunk, and not over the trunk, but over the roots, like put good uh, bark mulch over it because you want to keep them um, dormant as long as possible in the springtime because magnolias tend to pop up a little bit early. So you want to keep them um, dormant a little bit longer as possible in the spring. Oh, okay. Because she told me, uh, the guy who sold it to her said it was a zone four. So yeah. Yeah, and we're, and we're zone four, which is good. But what kills a lot of these plants like that and that past color with the columnar aspen, and I see it on some maples and, and something, it's just our, our really dry falls. And then our Chinooks, we get winter desiccation. Like We all love the Chinook when it gets plus 20 in December, but it's really hard on our plant material and it just sucks all the moisture out of the wood. And and that's what does in Edmonton. They don't. They, that's why they can grow cedars and things like that because um, they just stay frozen for the most part. They don't get the Chinooks like we do, and and uh, so that's what we get a lot of that winter desiccation. Oh, okay. All right. the The second question I have to ask you is, um, a lot of my uh, Oriental poppies, the leaves yeah. started to turn yellow, and now they most of them. Uh, it's the green is not coming back. Are they dead? No. Well, most of the poppies they do their blooming and then they're done, right? Like you don't get. They didn't even um, bloom. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's they should have bloomed because typically when they do that, they come up early, they bloom, and then they're done. Like and and it was a quick season for the poppies. I know I have some orange and yellow ones in the back. Like they b- seem to bloom like for four or five days and then they're just done. 
So uh, hopefully you didn't miss it. <laughs> well, but, I, I'm just, I, I was just thinking whether I overwatered them. They didn't like that. And I, are they, are they dead or are they just, I'll no, come just, back next just year. Going, yeah, they'll come back next year. Just make sure you water them in good. Um, fertilize them right now, even with a 15, 30, 15, get that into the root system. And then that way next year, they'll be able to pop up and do well for you. Oh, okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Meryl. Right. Have a great Thank weekend. Okay. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's sunny and 24 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Madeline DeBellis. A local organization that helps those in need is asking for help with food and water donations during the heat wave. Harvest Hills Cares, Cares Calgary was busy Saturday distributing 1,200 bottles of water, 300 juice boxes and Gatorade, 400 sandwiches and over 100 hot meals, snack, snack bags and assorted goods. The nonprofit is quickly running out of supplies and issued an urgent appeal for food, water and cash donations. As Alberta inches closer to a full reopening under Stage 3 on Thursday, restaurants are scrambling to restock, rehire and retrain in time. Director of Operations at Modern Steak, Darren Fabian, says many employees have moved on to different work paths. Some have made uh, life changes completely, you know, during the, you know, the second round of lockdowns. Our, our staff is a little more mature, so they have families to take care of. So they've found jobs in other industries that um, kind of guarantees them more uh, of a routine schedule and, and they can kind of ex- know what exactly to expect from their paychecks. So some of our older staff have just flat out aged out. The Alberta Hospitality Association is calling on the government to help ease the transition. And yesterday, Calgarians rallied in Central Memorial Park, calling on the government to boost harm reduction services. As the national opioid crisis rages on, a month ago, the Sheldon Schumier's supervised consumption site was announced to be closing and will be relocating to two undisclosed locations on an unknown timeline. Harm reduction advocate Ewan Thompson says moving safe consumption sites is not a good idea in the midst of a crisis. We're in the depths of a crisis now. Something needs to be done. We can't be moving these sites. We can't be creating chaos. And, and we need to do what we can to reverse the overdose crisis and get back on track so that uh, people can live their lives. In 2020, 1,144 Albertans died of opioid overdoses, making it the province's deadliest year for overdoses. An Alberta economist isn't sure about the viability of a Calgary to Edmonton Hyperloop network. A Canada-based Transpod released the results of a feasibility study which shows the project would create thousands of jobs. Kent Fellows from the University of Calgary says the past doesn't look favorably at projects like these. Generally, when you sit down and you look at, you know, the number of people who are moving, the options that are available to them, it just it does not come out ahead on a cost benefit metric. Fellows says while the project may create the amount of direct jobs, the report claims it's overinflating the indirect positions, which could open up. And conditions are improving on the fourth day of search and rescue efforts at the site of a building collapse in Surfside, Florida. 
It has stopped raining and the sun has come out. A rainbow is in the background as crews are working in the daylight hours. You can see them using cranes to dig through this rubble, searching for any survivors. There is an overwhelming sense of community here as well. Donations continue to pour and I have seen bags and bags of food and clothing that people have brought uh, to give to the families who are waiting and those who are displaced. Lionel Moyes, ABC News, Surfside. And the discovery of what are believed to be hundreds of unmarked graves on former residential school properties in B.C. and Saskatchewan is spurring government action in the United States. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland has ordered her department to investigate the loss of human life and the lasting consequences of residential Indian boarding schools across the United States. America's first ever Indigenous captain member had earlier expressed her deep personal dismay at the grim residential school revelations coming from Canada. Her Indian boarding school initiative will seek to identify all the American school sites that may contain unidentified bodies and to liaise with Indigenous communities on how best to handle any such cases. Steve Henniger, the Canadian Press. Global News Sky Tracker weather with a heat warning in effect. A high of 33 degrees today. Temperatures will cool down to a low of 18 tonight with clear conditions overnight. And tomorrow, mainly sunny conditions and a high of 36. It's 24 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update is at 10.30. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Start Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines. I'm going to go to Carolyn. Good morning, Carolyn. Hello? Hi, Carolyn. No, it's Marilyn. How are you today? Oh, good. How are you doing? Sorry, Marilyn. Oh, no, no worries. Uh, it's nice and hot, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> my How question, can I help you? My question is in regards to my rose plant. I actually cut it uh, down this spring. And I went outside to water it this morning, and I see that the leaves are, some of them are turning yellow with brown on the edges. Am I yeah. overwatering it? Or um, is it the sun? It could be a little bit of sun if there's water on the leaves, but I would just say it possibly a little bit dry. Okay. Um, if, if, it's edge, if, it, if it's browning on the edges, it's typically um, a little bit dry. Okay, so I am not overwatering, so it needs more. No. Yeah, slow, deep watering, and then you'll be good. Okay, sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a good Thank day. Thank you. Okay, you too. bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was an easy one. Let's go to Brad. Good morning, Brad. Hey, Merle, how are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Excellent. I got a question about uh, we've got brown tips on our, our, our spruce trees. Not all of them, but some of them. And then in some of the other ones, we have the... Like a little bit of that growth on the bark. Just wondering okay. what we can do about that. Is it, um, like when you get those brown tips, is it kind of curling over and go really hard? Uh, some of them are little bit. It's not really bad. Hey, Brad, am I going to get you to call back? I can, you're going in and out. Hey, Tony, maybe we just hang up and we get Brad to call back his uh, connection. That's not great. Okay, I'm going to go to where I'm at for time. We're going to go to Jennifer. Good morning, Jennifer. Morning, how are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Quick question. Um, last year, I 
ripped out my old lawn and reseeded with eco lawn um, okay. drought resistant uh, grass. And how did that go? It went very well. Uh, you gave some very good advice. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so now I ma- maybe manage my expectations. How long or how many years <laughs> might it be till I start seeing it being drought resistant? Because I find that it still needs quite a bit of water and that the roots, the roots are still quite short in all fairness. But uh, it, again, how, this- how long? You want to fertilize with our lawn fertilizer. Yep, check. And then also just do some slow, deep watering. Like when you do water your lawn, make sure you water it like for 20 or 30 minutes. And then, and lawns is not running off into the, into off the sidewalk or something like that. But only once a week instead of maybe a whole bunch of little times. I don't know if you water at all. Mm. Um, We just got to get the roots down and, uh, and then it should start being. Um, drought resistant because it's that blend of different fescues. It's a, it's quite, it's a finer looking grass, isn't it? Yes, and yeah. and um, even though there's little patches, <coughs> pardon me, where um, seed maybe hasn't taken, I can I can reseed there no problem. But it does lay down a little bit, so I find that um, I'm probably uh, cutting it a little more often, which is fine. Yeah, and you can let it grow longer, and some people like the look of that, um, and just raise it up, like raise your lawnmower to like the highest thing, and or some people because it won't grow real long. Like it, I think it'll grow to six or seven inches, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like it depends what kind of grass you're looking for, but I've seen it left long, and actually it looks quite nice if it's oh. left. But if you're looking for a lawn that you're out there walking all the time and stuff, you'll end up packing it down. But right. if it's more of a spot where it can just um, be there, and it's not getting a lot of traffic. I've seen it being left long, and it looks quite nice. Okay, um, so you know, I, I, I I'm not doing the slow deep watering. It's sort of every morning when I'm out doing in the garden, I'll I'll uh, water it along with my plants and veggies, um, so I can switch so- that. I've been using your fertilizer. So what in a couple years the yeah roots- I would say even by the end of this year if you just you just got to get the roots down because right now if you're just surface watering it doesn't it won't it won't push down because it doesn't have no need to especially if you're out there probably watering every other day if you're watering your other flowers so you're, you're giving it that what it just needs on the top so it won't really push down mm. but if you push the water down deeper and then don't water the other times when you're doing your plants it'll right. it'll force it to push it down and and you did this last year yes last okay spring. yeah so it, it'll root in this year hopefully by the end of this year and start of next year you should start seeing the results of that awesome thank you very much all right let's hope so all right <laughs> bye now thanks bye jennifer Bye-bye. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And I'm not too sure, Tony, if Brad made her back or not. Okay, I will look at that. He sent over a text. And do we have a crate? And I'm going to go to Gene. Good morning, Gene. Hi, Gene. Morning, Merle. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Good, thanks. Hey, quick question for you about spruce trees. Out in my front yard here, I'm on an acreage, and I probably have at least a couple of dozen spruce trees out here, and for the most part, 
They're big, they're healthy, they're over 20 years old. Um, but I do have, there's three or four of them in the bunch here around where the branches are completely dead or dying from anywhere from ground level up to six, seven feet. And even halfway up the tree, the needles are just falling off and it appears that the trees are dying. But it's is just it in the middle tree. of the tree? Or is it Absolutely. on the outside, all the way to the outside as well? All the way to the outside. Okay. Yeah, it, it probably as it gets older, and I didn't say, we've had a, definitely a lack of moisture is probably going to be hard on them. Um, sure. So what I do is if I have bigger stands of spruce trees, what I really try to do is put mulch underneath them wherever possible. If you just okay. get uh, some bark mulch, create outside the drip line. Because that way, when you do water, it holds the moisture in for them, and just sort of try to recreate that forest floor for them, and it uh, it makes a big difference if if you haven't already done so. Okay, is there going to be any problems with pruning all the dead branches off at this time of year? Um, no, you and you want to if they're dead, damaged, or diseased, you want to remove all that um, right away because you don't you don't oh. want to leave that on there. And if you're not too sure, I'm not too sure if you're if you're in this if you're close to Calgary or in the city, um, yeah, just, you can give Mark a call at Prune It Up. He'd be more than happy to come out and just give you a consultation as well and give you a quote and have a look at them for you and just maybe give you a little advice or if you need us to look after it, he'd be happy to give you a quote as well. All right, that's great. Thank you so much for your time. All right, take care. Thanks, yeah, have a good thanks, Gene. Bye bye. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. And I'm going to go to Shirley. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. Sorry. Good morning, Merle. I Good morning. Text, I texted you last week about uh, my tree, and you told me it was probably winter kill and to get Rage Plus, which I did. My okay. question is, the suckers that are growing out of my tree are almost like another tree. They're huge. Do I cut them off or just leave them? Um, and just remind me again, what kind of tree was this? I have no idea. Okay. I moved, when I moved in here, it's just a green tree with leaves. Okay. Um, depends if you wanted to. Is the rest of the tree above the suckering doing oh well okay, or is it just or no, is it dying? It, That's the one that was dying on the top. Yeah. 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 And so the what it's doing on the trunk. Yeah, so what it's doing is all its energy, it's trying to rejuvenate itself from the bottom. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to see if if we can get the top revived. If not, you might need to remove a bunch of that or possibly remove the whole tree. Um, depends how far how how far down it's it's died back. Right. So I'm doing the rage uh, rage plus as we speak. Um, okay. To uh, how long should I? Um, uh, you'll start. You should see something within two to three weeks. If yeah. it's gonna, if it hasn't sat too long, like if it, if it was a birch or something that has died back for a number of years, it, it'll take. It won't be able to help you at all. But if this is the first year that we had the die back, there's uh, there's a good shot that uh, the Rage Plus will help push the life back into it. So don't. Um 
don't cut off the suckers then? Um, I, you probably, um, I probably would cut them off because then that way more of the energy to go, can go up into trying to revive the old part of the tree. Right. But is this the first year or do you know, cause you just moved in there. Is it the first year that it's died back like this? Yes. From what the neighbors tell me it is. Okay. So then there's a good shot. Yeah. So I'd take the suckers off for now okay. And uh, let that energy go, try and push back up into the existing tree. And how many, um, how often should I do the right? I, I would give it a shot maybe every three or four days, put a, put a good couple pails on it. So don't, uh, my neighbor gave me one of those deep um, watering root things. Yeah, those are hard to use with Rage Plus because it's a liquid and right. those ones typically have a a little spot where you stick those tablets in. Oh, so what okay. I would do, but you could definitely water it first with that. Just poke it in and get the yeah. water down nice and deep. And then just mix it into a pail and then pour it around the pour drip line. Yeah. Okay. And just one quick question. How long, um, when I'm doing the deep watering, how long should I do it for? With this contraption, because uh, with the if clay you stick it here, in there, you can leave it. But just watch you don't have it blasting out, so it digs a bunch of holes in there. Have it come out at a, at a good pressure, but not full blast. Right. Um, I would probably leave it in each hole, maybe five minutes. Something to go all the way around the tree, sort yeah. of five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, and then that'll give it a good deep watering, and then fertilize right after that. Okay, sounds good. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks, Merle. Keep me have posted. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm going to go to Don. Good morning, Don. Morning, Merrill. Hey, how can I help you? Yeah. I have uh, a patch of trouble trying to grow garden carrots the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Just looking for any, any tips. Um, we've tried some different seed even this year. Tried a couple of different suppliers, thinking old and new seed, and still have some issues very very spotty is there is there a good time of year or different kind of watering or what any suggestions um do you mound it up at all like i know i just and usually carrots are pretty like are you using a seed tape or you're just you put your just a regular seed packs and put the soil into the little trench and then mm -hmm. water them in yeah exactly and try different depths i don't know maybe we're going too deep um um typically what i like Usually a half inch is more like is is as deep as I typically go with the with the carrot seed because they're really quite small, and okay. usually they come up too much, right? Because you have to end up thinning them out like crazy because you get oh, yeah. too much germination. Sure. Yeah. No. It's it's uh, in the it's really sandy soil, but you know there has been years we've done really well. But last yeah. couple of three, and we tried some. The neighbors got a, a riding arena. We tried some of the uh, their compost and. And so, it's, you know, it's, the soil should be good, but... Yeah, so. just and sometimes watch with compost with your root vegetables. Um, sometimes it it's too strong for them, and it almost makes it too nice, like, like with especially with potatoes and things like that, um, and make sure it's aged really well. Um, and I, I, I'm not... I like the manures and some of that stuff, but you just got to be really careful with it because sometimes it's really quite strong, and... Okay. And uh, and depends what they're feeding and and stuff like that too. It can yeah, take because sometimes it's like a compost. Yeah, 
And we so, you know, rotate in the garden, but I just thought maybe like you know, too deep or as I say, we tried yeah. a lot of different things, but just don't seem to have it, especially this year. I don't know why. Yeah, that's weird because usually carrots are really quite easy to grow. Like, you know, you, you put them in and they just, they just grow. They're one of those ones that you usually don't have. Usually you get too much germination and sure. you end up having to thin them out, right? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. But this year they're hmm. they're pretty spotty. So anyway, no, that's good. Uh, yeah, just maybe just uh, uh, maybe you can even because they're one that you can grow. You can grow three or four crops, so maybe try one more at this time of year. Just turn over the soil really good. Um, just do a little half inch trench, pour the seed in there, and uh, give her one more go. Okay, no, we'll do that. Good. Just another quick question on uh, on cedars. I we had an old yep. cedar. It's just about well, we've been here thirty years. And it was doing real well up to about three years ago, and it's just considered or consistently died back here. Um, we watered the heck out of it. In fact, I have the east trough going right to the to the area, and just seems like it's just losing ground. Is there? Yeah, I think it the is. It's fertilizing just, it too, but maybe I don't know. Maybe we're burning it out with too much. No, it, it no. It's just the last three or four falls have been really dry, and it's really hard on those ones that just aren't quite zone hardy for our area, right? Like. I always say that there's a 50-50 chance with a cedar because they're not native to our area. But sometimes you just find one that just does great, 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 like certain areas in town here, like in, in Riverbend and Cedarbrae and Douglasdale. I'll drive through there and just see some of the most fabulous cedars. And then other parts of the city can't grow one if they paid a million bucks for it, right? And it just – and the last three winters have been that October till December have been really dry. So they go to bed almost dry, and then that's what the winter desiccation has been really um, hard on some of those cedars and some of those um, other plants that we've chatted about earlier. So, okay, so I guess- it's nothing you're doing. It's just um, you can try and like just maybe trim it back a little, this tiny bit, fertilize with 30-10-10, try and just push it a bit more with that, and uh, put bark mulch around the tr- around the base. That helps hold it in, keeps it more frozen through the winter, okay. and uh, keeps the moisture in through these dry falls. Okay, well, we'll certainly try that. Like, see, so, but the timing is about right, as you say. Last three years, it's yeah. just steadily lost ground. Yeah, that's and it's been like our last three falls have been really quite consistent. It's sort of been from that October all the way through. It's been really quite dry. We didn't get our snow cover until right before Christmas or right after Christmas, and then. It stayed all winter, so we keep thinking, oh, no, we had lots of snow. But if we think back, our falls have been really dry right up until Christmas time. Gotcha. Okay, well, thanks. Enjoy your show. All right. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. Yeah, take care. Take Bye care. Now. Bye-bye. Um, I got a couple texts that I'm going to read. And it says, good morning. I have an Evans cherry tree, much less vibrant than past years. It's about 20 years old, been a pro- prolific fruit bearer, but now this is a crotch in the trunk, and one side has a number of dead branches. And again, I'm this, and it's suckering, and then he's also getting a few of these bubbles out of the sap. And that's just a sign of globosa, possibly in a when a tree starts dying back, it, it's pulling up uh, lots of water into a part of the tree, and then it leaks out some of those dead spots and, and where you've cut off branches or old blooms. Um, what I would do there, uh, Ron, is just cut it back really well, remove some of that dead wood, unfortunately, and, uh, 
and try to and probably on that one, I would just use the 15, 30, 15. But again, it's these dry falls, which are doing a lot of our bigger trees in because we tend to forget about them a little bit when they get bigger. We maybe don't water them in as much in the fall. So, but that's when they need us a bit more. So we really want to try to water them in good in that September, October. Um, bark mulch is great for all these trees. It just, again, holds the moisture in, keeps the weeds down, and, and, and keeps them frozen through the winter and, uh, and especially into spring. It doesn't let them come up as early and it holds the moisture in for them. So things like that, it's unfortunate. We're seeing lots of this going on in our, in our tree canopy in Calgary and especially like these next few days are going to be really hard on our trees because it's already been quite dry. And then this heat, it's just going to suck everything out of them. So we want to make sure we're doing that slow, deep watering and, uh, and try and help our trees out. But right now, I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me after the break, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. I was going to Let's Talk Watering. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. A heat warning in effect. It's sunny and 25 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Solar lights twinkled yesterday evening next to 751 unmarked graves near the site of a former residential school in Saskatchewan. Members of the COESA's First Nation held a vigil at the former Maryvale Indian Residential School, where a teepee has also been erected and a fire will burn for four days. This weekend's hot weather has kept fire crews busy on rivers in Calgary and Edmonton. The Calgary Fire Department says it responded to multiple water rescues on the Bow and Elbow Rivers yesterday. It says people were found stranded without their boats after colliding with bridges or capsizing. People are urged to practice boat safety like wearing life jackets and avoiding consuming alcohol. A high of 33 degrees today with sunshine. Temperatures will cool to a low of 18 tonight with clear conditions. Tomorrow, sunny and 36. It's 25 degrees. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Madeline DeBellis. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. And I'm going to go to the phone line. And we're going to chat with Ed. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Merle. How can I help you? I've got uh, about seven, eight rose bushes here, and I noticed on one of my rose bushes that half of it seems to be dying off. The blooms have sagged, and and uh, the leaves have, they look like they're turning brown and, and wilting. Okay. It sounds like, a, are you getting any kind of, does it look like any kind of gray mildew on them or anything, or? No, not at all. Okay. Just just sort of weeping over half of it. Did yeah, maybe yeah. a branch get broken or anything? Maybe if you go no, down into no, it. No, okay. I look at it. It's solid. Okay, it's, it's solid. Yeah, because that kind of sometimes happens. I see it happen where a branch gets broken and it sort of I see it wilt off from the half of it. But if that's not the case, huh? I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit stumped on it. Um, I possibly, noticed some, I noticed that some of the leaves on the on the good part have got holes in them. Okay, so there could be that the wasp um, could be coming after them. Those cutter those cutter wasps, um, oh, they love going after. And do you water on the leaves of your rose, or do you try and water from underneath? 
I, I water from underneath. Okay, because that's really important. I know it makes a huge difference. Um, in our tree lot, in our rose garden there, Terry, we had switched from overhead last year to um, strictly hand watering this year, and our roses in the garden center look amazing right now. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, really, I, I'm having a sort of trying to go through all the things and uh it's sort of like it almost like i said sounds like a bit of a fungus is affecting it on one side so i would cut out any of the damaged branches that are doing that and then okay. treat it with pure spray green or okay. copper spray okay shall do all right and with reference to the other roses to prevent them from having these holes in in, in the leaves they're all they're all really healthy is there anything I should treat them with? Um, again, pure spray green works good. Um, it's a great insecticide for roses, and it's also a fungicide. So it, it'll look after that powdery mildew, and it also helps with a few of the other funguses. So um, it's it's a great one. It's been used in the rose industry for like 20 or 30 years. So it's one that the professionals use. So it's a, it's a great product, so to especially for roses. To confirm, yeah. pure spray green, or you said copper? Yeah, or copper spray for, for the fungus on the one that's affected. Oh, okay. It's a, yeah, but I would just try the pure spray green. That should be fine for you. Okay, sounds great. Thank you for your help. All right, and if you get a chance, if you do come, if you're coming out to Spruce or whatever garden center you go to, maybe the part that you cut off, you can put it into a Ziploc bag and, uh, and bring it in and uh, let someone have a quick look at it. Hmm. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I'm good for time. I'm going to go to Glenda. Good morning, Glenda. Hi, Merle. Hi there. <laughs> I'm calling ooh, about my roses, too, because I planted like nine different bushes on the east side of my house, and they're just absolutely beautiful. And a week ago, every leaf is is full of holes. There's hardly any green left at all. And I mm. did try pure spray green, but maybe I was too late getting it on there. Yeah, if the damage is already done, um, if you if you sprayed after you noticed, it won't bring the leaves back. Um, so what I'm thinking is uh, is that you possibly had uh, some caterpillars or something maybe went through and and shredded up the leaves. Yes, they certainly did a good job. Uh oh! And what about deer, maybe, or anything, or rabbits? Uh, no, I have a fence so that the, okay. the wildlife can't get in there. My cats go in there, but I don't think that would be the problem, yeah. right? So, so what I would do too is then just cut off a, a bit of the affected leaves, and then just water really well, especially if they're newly planted going into this heat. And I would fertilize like with a twenty 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 or ten fifty two ten, and just uh, give them a bit more of a boost, just to ensure that they're getting good water going into this heat. Okay. Yes, I've got the soaker hoses running through them. So. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect. Okay. I just have one other quick question. You mentioned earlier that um, about uh, fertilizing annuals. Yep. And does the Rage Plus work for that? Absolutely. Yeah, I've had lots of people use that, and that's the only thing they use, and they get great results. Um, okay. 
Um, but I had some. Sometimes they don't. Some people I've had say that they don't get as many blooms, but I've seen some where they get gorgeous blooms. So sometimes I like to make sure I use the trace elements, like the fifteen thirty fifteen for my flowering, or just the good all purpose twenty twenty twenty. You use that on kind of everything, and it works great for for all your baskets and and your trees and shrubs and stuff as well. Great, thank you very Alrighty. much. Thanks, okay. Linda. Bye-bye. Bye bye. All right, and I'm going to take, actually, I probably have time for one more before I take a break. I'm going to go to Gordon. Good morning, Gordon. Hi, Earl. Um, I have a question about Russian olive I have. Um, okay. It's matured probably about 8 to 10 years old, and it was doing well. And then I started to get the only one odd branch, but a, a, I mean a big branch, uh, completely dead. No leaves, nothing yeah. on it. Yeah, uh, I they're infamous that for that. Last, I'm sorry? Yeah. They do that quite a bit, like even in our nurseries and stuff. They get a lot of winter dieback. Okay, so so I've chopped that branch out. I yep. don't um, have to worry about it spreading into the other ones, or it's just a winter kill, then I take it. It's just winter kill, and you'll get tip dieback on them quite a bit. Like even like I said, in a lot of our nurseries, they will get six, eight inches dieback on each branch sometimes. Okay. And it, it happens to them quite a bit. So you did the right thing. Remove the dead branch. Um, and then that way the tree will naturally fill back in. And same thing with those. It's important that fall watering. Yeah, I watered the bejesus out of them. Yeah, and bark mulch as well. It works really great with those. Okay. Just helps keep uh, the moisture in because they, they, they're one that they're very susceptible to the winter desiccation. So Yeah, water them hard in the fall and hard in the spring. So. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I I don't know if you did answer that fellow's question about the little brown tips on the on the new growth on the spruce, or if I didn't hear it. But I'm yeah, no, we didn't get to it. It broke out. So what it sounds like it's that gall aphid where they kind of curl over and then they end up mm -hmm. going real hard. Mm -hmm. And it's you, you can't really spray for them much. It's more of an aesthetic thing, so you, uh, you can cut them out as best you can. Um, but that's it. Sounds like that's what he was getting on those. Okay, so it's not, not going to kill the uh, kill the uh, new growth at all. Well, it does. It hurts that, but it's more aesthetics. Like it kind of hurts that new growth, and most time it usually only gets it for one or two years. And and it's if you wherever possible, cut it out. But they just hollow out. They eat the new growth from the inside out, and they kind of uh, create looks like a little acorn almost. And it's just a real yeah. hard, crunchy, curled over. So there's nothing I can spray on there that uh, no. No. Okay. Well, no. Once that damage done, you just cut them out. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, sir. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. And if you'd like to join me after the break, 403-974-8255 or 1-800-563-7770. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to chat with Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, Merle. Hey, listen, Hi, I've had the hummingbirds since Mother's Day they showed up. Wow. And so I've been feeding lots of food. I don't see a lot of them, but when I'm working in my garden, I can see them or hear them. And then yeah, they kind of get that buzzing going by you. Yeah, and we've got both kinds, so they're they're out and they're happy. The other thing I wanted to tell you was the Alberta Gold that you gave me this year, absolutely 
Unbelievable. Moisture content is great. Oh, good. Like and that's they're never dry. Our... They're never dry. Well, that's good. So that's, I just uh... thought I'd put a plug in for Alberta Gold. Um, awesome. My sweet peas are starting. I got my first sweet pea yesterday. Yeah, they should start blooming in this heat, right? They should be taken off and get going. Oh, yeah, they're moving fast at this point. And yeah. the lilacs, you told me to cut down my 30-year-old lilacs to the ground last yeah. year, which just freaked me right out. But, oh, my God, the new growth is up to my waist. Yeah, because you got all that energy stored in the root system. And, and a lot of times if, they're, if you have a really a hedge in poor condition, whether it's a lilac or a carragana yeah, or... Yeah whatever, Catonia Aster. And when you take it down, all that good energy goes into new growth and yeah. it just, it, they should just take know, off. So that's awesome. Every little spring come out and now I can't, eat. I thought, oh, I'm going to have to decorate all those logs down there, but they're all covered. So absolutely the soil did them marvelous also. But I do have a bit of a, I have um, the spruce budworm. Okay. In my BTK. evergreens and I'm, you know, 20 acres of spruce trees. So yeah can't do anything can i yeah you can use um btk but how do i do a forest i tried to spray them with a pressure washer yesterday and we thought we did a great job other than make my rockeries totally filthy but in the sun when the sun came through and you could see the webs last night it looks like my spruce trees are covered in um a cobweb but only coming down the tree like they they go down the tree really fast these things, they just go up and down and hang from the trees. Apparently, Brad Creek has a re and Redwood has a really bad. See, it could outbreak. be that uh, gypsy moth too, right? Yeah. Well, this one looks. But we looked it up, and apparently, they're spraying in Redwood. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I think they start as that moth. Yeah. And they do go in cycles, so they're probably after most of the aspens out there first. No, they're eating all the tips of the spruce. Huh. The, the but I wonder the if they started in the dead. aspens. Wow. They're not doing anything on the on the poplars, but all the tips on my trees, well not all of them. If I go running through the forest farther away, I see some younger trees that haven't been done, but they're just they're going in and they're clipping the end of the spruce trees and then moving on. And it huh. just looked like like they parachute down on these silk threads. Yeah. But yep. they're I just couldn't believe when the sun came through that it just looked like all my evergreens are encased. There's nothing yeah. I can put at the bottom that they love to come and eat. No. Okay. No, you can spray, like I said, with BTK. Okay. Um, hose them off with this uni nozzle. But, yeah, I yeah. remember going through Saskatchewan a couple of years ago, and they were those same type of caliper were devastating all the aspens. So will they eventually die, all these big trees? Because then no. they have no new growth. No, it, it's it. They'll it, they'll just send out new buds. Okay, on so I'm what, not going to panic after. then. Okay. Yeah, um, and they should be a cycle. Typically, those bugs, five those type of caterpillars. Years or I, I think yeah, so they'll be this years, year, and then so they won't be back again. They won't yeah. be back in my lifetime. The other there thing, can I put? Should I put my like my my potted plants are suffering in the heat because the heat gets them at the end of the day. Would I be better to move them in into a sunny garage for this weather? Um, it, like, it doesn't so hurt, but just but it is better off too. Is if you have uh, have them in bigger pots, then okay. And usually, if they start suffering in the heat, it's typically if you don't have big enough enough soil in them. Okay, because so if yeah, if you have big enough pots, they should be totally fine. They love this kind of heat. They just okay. 
Okay, Especially my last annuals. one is dog bane. How do I get rid of dog bane that's taking over like many acres? Yeah, it's uh, that's a tough one. You're in an acreage. I'd probably go see your guys at uh, UFA. And then just see what I because we read yeah, about it. Yeah, they have the hard to get rid yeah, of. Yeah, they have the they have the good stuff, so you can go see them. Okay, UFA, and go yep. from there. Okay, yep. thank you, and thank you so much for the soil. You've made my life. A miracle awesome. this year. Thank you. Perfect. Okay, bye. And that's from our good friends at Eagle Lake Landscape Supply. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And I should probably take a quick break. If you'd like to join, actually, I probably don't have time. I have a couple of callers, but there might be a couple more on there. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. Forgot to read that earlier, so Tony was gracious and reminded me to do it here at the end, so that was my own fault. <laughs> going to go to the phone lines. Going to chat with Ava. Good morning, Ava. Hello. My pepper and my tomato plants, the little blooms turn brown and they fall off. Somebody told me to spray it with absent salt. Would that help? Uh, um, I don't really. I've I've never used Epsom salts for that. Typically, it sounds like you're probably keeping them too wet. So um, I would poke holes more in the soil. I aerate the soil out a bit and make sure you have good drainage in the pot. Mm -hmm. And uh, and just maybe get it out into a bit more full sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe try and dry them out. Sounds like they're just when they do that, they tend to be running too wet. Okay, and, and you never heard of absent salt and milk? I've heard some people using it, but I, I again, it's one of those ones that I've never used, and it's not really, um, yeah, I haven't used it for that issue. So um, you can always give it a try, though, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never used it, though. So I know we have um, a, a small container at the garden center for absent salts for as a as a soil conditioner for certain things, but I've never used it for that for that issue. Um, typically, it's a it, the the problem will still exist if the watering practice continues. So I'd rather fix the the problem and then we'll get you set up that way. Okay, thank Alrighty. you very much. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, I'm going to go to Lila. Good morning, Lila. Good morning. Uh, I was on the internet, and... Uh, That's I, a bad place, you know that, right? <laughs> yes, I, I, I know, but... <laughs> Dr. Google. I, I just got to see if it's true or not. It, okay. It said that if you took your banana peel and you put them in a jar for about 12 <laughs> hours, you would get yep. potassium from your banana, and then it would be good to water your tomato plant with, and you'd get lots of buds and fruit from it. Um... It kind of makes sense. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, again, uh, along with the Epsom salts, I haven't heard that. I remember seeing something like this. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of times when this stuff goes on the internet or wherever, like people do it and it didn't kill the plant, and then the plant was doing well and that produces fruits, they say, oh, no, it must have been the banana plant, right? <laughs> or the banana. But I, it kind of makes sense because bananas give you potassium. And so I don't think you're going to hurt it by doing it. So so why not? Oh, okay. Uh, Give it a shot. 
and you got to call me back in a couple of weeks and take a picture of it today and then take a picture in a couple of weeks and let's see let's see what it does okay Thank you very much. And plus, much. If, you, if you're eating the banana, that's good for you as well. Oh, so of then, course uh, we're eating the banana. <laughs> so, yeah, so there you go. So it's it's working both sides. So there you go. Okay, thanks, Merle. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, going to go to Sam. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. How can I help you? Oh, we have a really big problem in our lawn. Um, we have uh, an abundance of earthworms perhaps, or maybe there's a different kind of earthworm yeah. to the point where it's very uncomfortable walking uh, across the lawn, let alone trying to run the lawnmower over. Is there anything we can do to um, maybe decrease the amount we have? No, and that's, um, it, they're called dewworms. So what you really need to do is it, the change your watering practice. You got to water slower and deeper because they're coming up to the top. There's no moisture down deep. So they're coming up where the water is, where it's a little bit softer on top. So what I would do is just start watering um, a little bit more often, but at longer periods of time. Instead of like 10 minutes, water for 20 or 30 to get the water down nice and deep. And then that'll push them down. They don't like, they'd rather not be up high. They'd rather be down deep as well. And you can top dress your, your lawn as well after that. Okay. We actually don't water our lawn at all because of the, okay. just the cost well, of the be, watering. Yeah. That's probably because your soil is, uh, is really dry. So what you can do is you could top dress it. And, uh, but I would probably try to recommend, I know it's expensive watering. Um, but that's sort of when the when the dewworms are down there. That's why they're coming up because there's no moisture down below. So okay. then they come up. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. And the other problem we have is ants. What What do you recommend for ants? Um, we have a thing called knockout. It's a it's an ant spray. You can use that or ant out works as well. Okay. Wonderful. Well, and again, so they much. love that. Mm -hmm. If they're in your lawn, they do love that dry spot as well, right? So it's kind of right. dry yeah. and warm. They love that. Oh, they're very happy right. in, our, in our lawn then, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Right. A, thank, thank you. Thank you and have a great long weekend. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I might be able to squeeze. Can I squeeze one more in, Tony, or no? Okay. Sorry. I can't take you, Nick. have to get you next week. Um Anyway, stay safe this week, you guys. Stay hydrated. Stay out of the sun as much as you can. And just be careful. There's going to be a scorcher. And uh, we'll be back next week here getting our garden on right here on 770 CHQR.